Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter, and welcome to Spinning Plates podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Good day to you, podcats. How are you? I am speaking to you with a very well-slept voice today. Do I sound different? Maybe a little bit different? I had a really good, solid eight-hour sleep just now. Why, you may ask yourself. It is because I'm not home, I tell you. (laughs) I speak to you from Manchester. It's so bizarre. I've had a night away for work. Um, Yesterday when I left the house, I felt terrible leaving the smalls and which I've been home, you know, every, obviously every night with them. And this is the first night I've had away from my family for months and months and months. But I have to say, and they won't hear this, that waking up after a good sleep has reduced <laughs> that anguish I felt at leaving them to a dim and distant memory. And now I'm just thinking, this bed is comfy. And it was nice to have proper blackout curtains and silence. Um, don't worry, I will be back tonight. I go back home. Um, I'm up here filming part something for Alan Carr's Epic Game Show. I'm not a contestant. I'm someone that's assisting in the show itself. You'll see what I mean when it's on telly. I don't know if I'm allowed to speak about it. Don't tell anyone I told you, even what I told you. Um, <laughs> I came up yesterday to film and I'm back home tonight and I don't get in until about one o'clock in the morning, maybe one thirty, because it's a long journey home and I don't finish till late up here. So don't worry, I'll be back to that sort of slightly sleep-deprived state that I usually inhabit by this time tomorrow. What else can I tell you? Um... We've got our final kitchen disco this Friday. 
I've been planning the playlist. I said this Friday, I mean tomorrow. I'm talking to you from way back in the past. It's Thursday where I am. And I've been planning what songs to do. I've asked people online to help me with what songs they want because it was actually really hard to set up a poll for all my songs so people could vote, but also for people to suggest covers. So this morning I've got nothing on. I'm not working today till this afternoon and I've decided my task is to sit down and write out all the songs people have said and then tally them up. Uh, So wish me luck with that. And with the covers, I think I know what I'm going to do. It's our last disco ever, potentially, given that there'll be no more lockdowns, potentially. So this is number 20 and I want it to be a good one. What else can I tell you? I had no spinning plates podcast go out on Monday. Maybe you noticed. Did you notice? It's because it was a bank holiday and also because I had my first live Radio 2 show. I've done a couple of Radio 2 shows last year. They were all pre-records from home. And this was the first time I was live in the studio. And they let me drive the desk, which was cool. So I was doing my own fader for when I spoke. And I actually really enjoyed it. So if you listened in, thank you. And I loved all the messages and everything. Oh, that's been my week. That's broadly speaking my week. Oh, I've left out something super important. It's my birthday on Saturday. <laughs> Sorry, I should probably preface that. I left out something super important. It was Richard's birthday on Tuesday, but it's my birthday on Saturday, April 10th. I know you all know that. And don't worry if you're hearing this now and thinking, oh, I missed it. You can still wish me a happy birthday. I accept happy birthday messages up to two weeks post my birthday with no no judgment at all so don't worry it's still time anyway this week's guest is a oh such a lovely woman rebecca vincent so i've been following tattooist rebecca for what feels like a couple of years now i think um she tattooed a beautiful tattoo on sally hughes a couple of years ago and so i started following rebecca after that because i'm always a bit fascinated with tattoos and i've sort of toyed with the idea of a second one i have one tattoo a heart that says family on my right arm But I used to think quite long and hard about having a second one. And Rebecca's designs were the sort of thing I was thinking of getting. She does these beautiful black and white botanicals primarily. So leaves, flowers, insects, bees. They are beautiful, really detailed, really clear, quite big, bold designs. I love them. Um, And I realised that she had a child, which immediately makes me think, speak to her for my podcast and I messaged her and she got back to me straight away and so we met for the first time uh we'd we'd never met before and I'd never really spoken to her direct before just liked a lot of her posts but it turned out we had a couple of mutual friends which was really sweet and an unexpected surprise and she was completely lovely she was a bartender um not a bartender a bar she ran a bar a a bar manager until she was in her mid-20s furniture and baby Yada, yada, life change, new job. And she speaks beautifully about her child's decision to be non-binary as well. It was a very recent thing when we spoke. I think her child had only been non-binary for a couple of weeks. So we do make a couple of mistakes, but I loved the fact that Rebecca was so open about talking about it. And thank you as well to her to her child as well for that um, that candid approach but also I really appreciated the fact that Rebecca was saying you know if the intention is is there to support and to love then everybody is accepting the fact that you know those pronouns we've been doing them for a long time it takes a little while to get out of that habit but uh, she's you know she obviously has a very very loving supportive household with her husband and a a 10 year old and um, 
yeah, I think it's a really good message for us all. And this extra sleep has made me talk to you for the longest I think I've ever spoken at the beginning of any of my podcasts. So you should probably be grateful that I don't normally get this much sleep. Um, just enjoy the podcast. It's nice to be back. I have this episode and then another couple. Then there's the end of series three. I'm already starting to talk to people for series four. Happy days. Thanks for being here with me. And see you on the other side. Well, I guess we should probably, I mean, it's funny because when I first started doing the podcast stuff, it was all the beginning of lockdown and I thought, I don't really want to have a podcast where we talk loads about po- lockdown. Mm. But now that it's been going on a year, mm. it would kind of be odd to not mention it, particularly as it must have affected your day job pretty significantly. A hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy, crazy. We were like the, well, I kind of took myself out the week before lockdown actually, because I kind of saw that it was coming. Mm. But because we're in such close contact, it's yeah, it's inevitable that it was going to be, you know, not allowed. So what does a tattoo artist do when they can't tattoo the clients? Are your husband and child covered now? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? No, I haven't. Honestly, like, I, do you know what? I need to get him in before I actually start again to do a practice tattoo because it's going to be so The idea of that actually really amused me. Sorry, sorry. I haven't got anyone else to tattoo. Hold still. <laughs> sorry, child. Sit down here. It's my eyelid. <laughs> they really don't like that. I don't think they're going to get any, you know. Really? No, because it's not cool when your parents are tattooed. It really isn't, is it? No. Like, and Lee and I are very tattooed. And I mean, not that we're in competition, but if we were, I am actually more tattooed. Really? Yeah. So I can only see, like, sort of a little bit of neck and a little bit of... Yeah. But you're pretty covered, aren't you? Yeah, I've got a kneecap left, which will stay (laughs) undone because it's so painful. (laughs) It's the most painful place. It's very thin, isn't it, on the bone? I'm just... I actually don't like getting tattooed anymore because I had this conversation with, um, with a guy at the shop this morning. When you booking for a tattoo it's really exciting and you're mm-hmm. paying for it and stuff but when it's your job and you can literally get tattooed by your friends whenever it's just it's the novelty painful. no it's gone the novelty's gone <laughs> and I'm older now and I'm like so no. that kneecap is just staying that's beautiful I've got a kneecap and a bum cheek left and they're both gonna stay <laughs> as a memory of my youth untattooed just to reassure your mum there's a little yeah. bit oh, left from know, the beginning I tattoo her though really yeah she's so supportive like Aww. and she doesn't she looks like a beautiful like 60 65 year old woman and yeah she let me tattoo her arm as well oh, wow I know it's very cool of her it I is. like that but I also know. a little bit of pressure on you I would have thought to oh, tattoo your mum well I mean my sister my husband and my mum were kind of my first proper customers and there's some awful now it's fine because it's like nine, ten years in but I look back on that and I'm like oh my god I need to fix it. Well, that's quite a funny one, isn't it? Because I guess when you get started, um, yeah, your work is, has a permanence, even if you end up evolving from that point. Oh, my God. Totally. <laughs> and it's on a family member. Totally. They totally. must love you very much. <laughs> yes, they do. They love if me they very much. If they're No. Most of my mum's bad ones I did are on her back anyway, so she can't see. <laughs> Looks great, mum. <laughs> just, don't, just don't wear any low-cut tops, mum. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> Um, so when did you start tattooing? Was this all pre or before, like before or after you had your baby? Ah, so when um, when I had uh, B, I was a pub landlady, and actually having them and having that job made me realise I couldn't really juggle the two. Mm. It's just it's you know we we used to live in above the pub, and my sister moved in with us when she was fifteen, sixteen. So it was just like a party, chaotic. Really so this was you and your partner and yep. your sister all living together yep. and then a baby on the way as well. Yeah. Poor Lee. I was like, I just really want, I'm really close to my sister. Mm. Like where there's 10 years between us and um, I was the first one to hold her. She was born at home. Like we're just like 
best friends and um, she was having a really shit time. Sorry. You can okay, sorry, I realised that. I was like, don't <laughs> She was having a really rubbish time and um, we were really close so she moved in with us and Lee, we'd only kind of just got together and Lee was like, I remember him saying like, I don't care if she moves in, I just want to be with you and if that means... And then he really regretted that because she was a 16-year-old that moved in and it was, yeah, I mean, they're very close. Now. They're very much like a brother and sister relationship. Yeah. But then I then I got pregnant and we decided to find a find a house and I went down to part-time and then obviously just, you know, it's tiring when mm. you have a baby and then also kind of doing unsociable hours. And so I was thinking, right, okay, what, what do I want to do? And our friend Loda had come to visit us, to visit um, me with, with B and... Uh, because I'd already had tattoos, she was like, just become a tattoo artist. And I was like, no, you can't. You can't just become a tattoo artist. Like, that's just not how it works. But the more I thought about it, it kind of started making sense. I am, I actually failed my A-level art when I was at college and I hadn't drawn a thing between that point and, and have actually um, after having B. And I had this kind of thing where I was just like, I just need to create something. I was like, you know, my husband's a musician. I, I don't, I can't do anything like that. And so I just started drawing again and I just really fell in love with it. And I was kind of drawing how I used to draw. Mm. And it just shows you that, you know, you can't fail art. Like that's such a ridiculous sentence. It's just ridiculous. And so I started drawing loads. Every time they would nap, I'd get my pen out and draw. And then completely coincidentally this is in Leeds up the road um a studio opened up and I just went in and was just like I don't know I had this like bravado of like new mum just like give me a job and they did and then and then I became a tattooized wow I mean, I, I, <laughs> just, actually, I love what you said about you can't fail art I no. mean that's such a a simple thing to say but when you say it you think of course it sort of slaps you in the face a little bit it's subjective isn't it it's completely subjective yeah. and I think sometimes as well the creative arts when they're put into an exam format can really suck the joy out a little bit actually because so much of it is about your emotional expression totally so having to make it fit an exact of what someone else wants I can see that there's a place for that yeah definitely don't get me wrong but they almost need to sort of parenthesis it slightly separately so that you don't lose your faith in your ability to still be able to create stuff 100% and I think if I'd gone specifically to an art school that that I would have been encouraged because my my sister actually um I always say this to people when I can. She graduated Chelsea, like, last, not last year, the year before. Ah. And she, you know, she didn't have any GCSEs, didn't have any A-levels, and she just kind of wow. found her... Thing. She's amazing. It's so interesting because we're both in creative jobs, but mm. our styles and our kind of what we're into are just so different. Um, and she was just kind of really encouraged at Leeds College of Art just to kind of explore what she wants to do. And it was really like, I was not not envious because that seems much of a, like too much of a harsh word, but I was really like, wow, like I wish I'd kind of gone down that route, but then maybe I wouldn't have found tattooing. Yeah. You know, so it's really, it's like chaos theory, isn't it? You kind of, it kind of leads you to where you are now. Yeah, and also it's sometimes easier to be impressed with when you hear other people's stories, but for her, seeing you um, have your baby stop the job you're in and then walk into a tattoo place saying I can do this yeah. it's pretty inspiring too so yeah. also she used my uh, my um uh portfolio for the apprentice job to go to Leeds College of Art and was like oh these are mine so they let her in and then she was like right I don't actually draw I'm going to do like loads of installation work <laughs> and I love that so much like the goal of it is amazing that really is and so how old was your little one when you went into the tattoo part and started doing so that so they would have been about three how old are they now no maybe they were two I was 28 when I decided that I wanted to start tattooing and I'm 37 so yeah night so they would have been so you became mum at about 25 26 yes yes and actually having them there with me from the start was like um it didn't 
changed my life at all. It was just the next phase mm. and we were all kind of there together. So it's, you know, because it's, I'd imagine changing careers as a new mum or having a career, then becoming a mum and then trying to fit that around that. It's really hard for, for mothers in that respect. Um, it was really difficult, but I was really fortunate in the fact that I decided to do it after they were here. Yes, yeah, so you never knew any other way no, to do it. No, And then I got offered a job in London nine months after I was tattooing and then, then we've just been here since, which is exciting. Well, why is it tattooing rather than just any other kind of art? You know, it could have been making prints or it could illustrations. Have been. But or... you know what? I do that within the tattoo job as well. I think that's so, you know, you asked, like, what do I do? what do you do in a, in a pandemic when, when you're a tattoo artist? And I started, um, I've got a Patreon as well, so I send out prints every month. I started doing, like, online drawing classes as well. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Which was so nice during the first lockdown. It was a really beautiful little community. And then I had this idea of getting other guest tattoo artists to host lessons, and through that met Jade Clark, who is... Oh, she's 10 years younger than me. No, she's 12 years younger than me. Um, and she just has this passion and fire and she's just turned it into this beautiful, like, worldwide, crazy art house wonderfulness, which has just been great. Um, so that's kind of kept both of us busy. This is like a new community and it's called the Art House, isn't it? It's art like House Collective, yeah. Art House Collective. It's free art classes every week, different types of artists, all ages. And it has just turned into this like beautiful... Because we wanted to kind of... Initially, I was doing it to kind of get people together. And then mental health um, is something that's really important to both Jade and I. Mm. And it was kind of combating loneliness, especially in this yeah. time. And we have... I mean, we had... 350 people on Sunday join the class and it's all over the world and they've all made friends with each other on social media mm. and they all encourage each other it's really really beautiful that is and I think there's a lot of really positive things like that that have come out of the last 12 months and I think I've definitely felt like the, the sort of connections I've made with people from all around the place and I think when I used to use social media I didn't necessarily engage that mm. much with responses so I'd put something out there mm-hmm. people put something in the comments and I'd probably sort of just think I don't think I'm supposed to acknowledge I've seen this yeah. <laughs> so yeah. pretend you haven't yeah but I think now I've actually there's loads of people I follow now that I didn't know before yeah. and I love that community and anyone that's sort of spreading a bit of joy that's creating those online communities that's creating stuff I'm a bit obsessed with it already. I think it's amazing. And, and, you know, I'm probably wrong in this, but the majority of um, people I've seen doing this are, you know, women or in the queer community. And they're really kind of putting their their own skills out there and wanting to create that space as well. And I, I agree. Like, I hadn't really, you know, I'm really bad when it comes to social media. Like, I just post and that'd be it. But now, like, I've doing that engaging thing because you just want to talk to people you miss people you miss that interaction yeah. and it means so much to everybody it means so much to me you know mm. seeing something so positive as well it's, it's really it's really beautiful but I saw loads of like um loads of people like how to make cocktails or how to cook this or parenting tips or mm. you know it's literally everything mm. there's a there's a chap I met weirdly through um adopting our dogs um it's a long story but we kind of somehow our lives came together that we had a brother and sister and he um is a gardener i think he's worked like gardeners question time and stuff but through that he's been making videos on like how to like look after your gardens how to do like vegetable patches and people love it because they're at home more it's great yeah and it's also quite gentle and it's inclusive um and actually what you're talking about before with the the art thing i think i don't know if you watched any of that uh, grace and perry's art club but i really loved that because it was all about saying, look, go back to what it is that just resonates in you and you make something just yeah. for the pure joy of 
making something that didn't yes. exist before. Um, and I think that's just been a really simple thing that can just for a second elevate you out of where you are or shift the perspective or the narrative of what's going on, which is something, a life skill you can take 100%. with you for whatever's going on. 100%. Obviously, this is the uniqueness is we're all going through something very... You know, some of the themes are pretty universal, aren't they? Definitely, and none of us have experienced this before, which is something you can take a little bit of quiet comfort in, that you're kind of like, you're all in this together. But also, you said about just creating, like, through the art house, we've had a couple of people change their careers completely mm. and gone into a creative industry afterwards, and they wouldn't have thought to do that if mm. they hadn't, if this hadn't have happened. I'm just trying to take positives out of a really, I'm not taking away from a really difficult oh, yeah. year, but it's. I think it's important to kind of take positives out of it yeah yeah no absolutely I think that's yeah I don't think anyone is thumbs up for pandemics but <laughs> no. I do think um no. I do think that, yeah that it's it's nice to acknowledge the, the nice things that come out of it and I was talking to a friend yesterday just saying like little acts of kindness little small things they they're really magnified to me at the moment so mm. all those little things I've just thought they mean much more they can kind of even tiny little interactions yes. are like okay I really that's it like I get the the beauty of that now definitely and I think we took so much for granted I did everybody did because mm. we were just so busy 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 and I think you're right like you know we said earlier like the sun shining and the birds singing or whatever yeah. it's just like it makes me so much happier because you notice the season change a bit yeah. more and we need this bit of sun yes and I think you know just saying hello to somebody walking past on the street or whatever yeah. it's just I think we need to kind of connect with each other and I think we are like even even here like I'm really good friends with my downstairs neighbours I, I love them so much but next door I'd said hello to a little bit but not really and now this whole bit you know it's we're all talking to each other and we've all lived next to each other for years and I don't think that would have happened otherwise and that's not because we're being rude it's just because we're just busy you know yeah no I know I know um, do you think in the the sort of tattoo community there was already a lot of that you know that if you were out and about and people have got tattoos you think it does sometimes spark a bit of a conversation between people oh definitely I think especially myself and I know fr friends and colleagues if you see a tattoo by somebody you know that's done that you're like oh my gosh did so and so do that and it's like I mean I'm a northerner so I love a chat and any excuse to kind of bring the chat to London and Londoners sometimes I don't like it but you know if I see a tattoo on somebody I'm like excuse me and then yeah oh, that's fine I never even thought of the fact you might recognize who's actually done oh the yeah tattoo. yeah well, you've got a very distinctive style. I think your stuff is absolutely beautiful. So oh, you, you deal you. mainly... I, I, I've only seen you doing black and white. Is that right? Do you do yes. colour? No, 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 I don't. It's um, it's something that I only kind of... I started doing and it just kind of carried on that way. Don't get me wrong. One day maybe I'll kind of kind of move into that field. But I, I, for me, it has to be a natural progression. I have actually been saying this for about six years. <laughs> I'm going to... Maybe I'll do a colour tattoo. I'm probably not. But yeah, I really love like... Like music for me, so like botanical museum artwork, mm. like oh my god, I love that so much. So that's kind of definitely where I get most of my influence from. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's very botanical. So it's lots of plants and bees and birds and roses, and it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Oh, I, I think it's very distinctive. I would, I definitely think I would recognise your work if I saw it someone else. Thank you so much. Um, but I still, I want to know why it is that tattooing resonated with you. So you said you had some before you'd got into it for yes i remember seeing a photograph oh gosh i must have been about 19 and i saw a photograph of a woman and she was completely covered in tattoos and i remember thinking like that was so brave and so amazing and wow i would never ever be able to kind of have the kind of dare to do something like that and i think now i'm actually probably more tattooed than that person but it's something that i've always loved and um when i was younger and still now obviously was into like rock music or heavier music and it was very popular amongst those communities mm. and then so I got a couple 
I wish I could go back to myself when I get my first tattoo and be like, this is what you're going to do. Because even just watching it being done, like, it's... Now it makes so much sense to me. But when you watch it, like, you know, it's mm. it's so bizarre. Um, yeah, and then... Sorry, what was the question? I was <laughs> just why tattoo? Oh, why tattoo? Why resonated with no. you so much? Well, yeah, so then it was kind of like an expression of yourself. Like, I had quite low self-esteem. Very low, I say quite. I had very low self-esteem when I was a teenager. And just getting one tattoo, I remember getting this one on my wrist here, and there was nothing else around it, and just feeling like so much more confident and I see that in the people I tattoo as well no matter gender or age you don't know people's insecurities and sometimes people get something like just if they don't like their arms or they're like whatever and just putting decorating it just makes you feel better about yourself and that's definitely something that I got when I was getting tattoos Mm. I just felt great (laughs) I know it's like a like maybe a vanity thing perhaps but it just felt wonderful yeah, well, it's interesting you say that because when I was growing up, my um, my dad was always very down on tattoos. It's very, oh, my, yeah, my, dad my dad made it well. so easy to rebel because he just <laughs> wore all the things he didn't like. He'd be like, no smoking, no tattoos. Yeah. So, you know, obviously as a teenager, I would smoke. Of course. And then when I was old, I went and got a tattoo. But, um, <laughs> but he was always like, oh, people with tattoos, it just says, you know, that there's something about them. They, You know, I suppose it does link to the low self-esteem. You know, there's something about an insecurity there. But actually, it's funny because I was thinking about that on the way to see you and I thought, yeah, but what he doesn't, didn't understand, or well, certainly for me, is that by getting one, I felt empowered. Mm-hmm. And I love tattoos mm-hmm. on other people. I love them. Um, I've got loads of friends who've got beautiful tattoos. Um, and I think, I, I love the expression of it. Um, so when someone comes to you and they've got an idea, if, if you think it's maybe not something that is quite right, but you've got an idea, how easy is it to sort of have that conversation oh about my God, evolving so, it? So easy. It's like this. It's like this chat. Do you know what I mean? I would be so brutal. I would never tattoo something that I thought would not suit the person because mm. this is the thing, like, as amazing as tattoos are, they are forever. So you have to, you have, to have that in your head. You know, uh, yes, they're so much more acceptable now, and which is wonderful because you can literally get whatever art style you like. But I feel like, I felt at a time there was a, a period of a time a few years ago when it was like a lot of like celebrity reality tv stars are getting all these tattoos 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 and mm. then somebody was like oh if I don't like it I'll just laser it off and I remember seeing that on the front cover of a magazine and I was just like no it's not a haircut it's not a top it's mm. forever and yeah I and also you said as well like I got them at first for like self-esteem but obviously people get them as well to like completely express themselves mm. and like they just love them mm. But yeah, um, I would never tattoo anything on somebody that I didn't think would work for them. But I'm like, just like this. I'm just, you know. And I think because I have a particular style, nine times out of ten when people contact me, it's for something that's related to what I'm doing. So I very rarely have to say, no. If anything, I have to encourage people to go a bit bigger because people want like really small things because they're scared. But then I'm like, you shouldn't do that. You should get something that you want to get for yourself yeah and yeah that's a that's a boring tattoo conversation no no but that's true because when I went to have um I've only got one but it's quite it's quite big and when I went to get it done I thought it was going to be smaller Mm. and also more detail have more stuff going on and the guy who did it he's a guy called Tintin or Tintin he's a French guy and he got very very stoned just when he was about to (laughs) tattoo which I I don't do that (laughs) (laughs) no it was a slightly unusual um and uh, he said, if you do your design, people will just see, look at you and be like, what is that on her mm-hmm. arm? You know, mm-hmm. saying big and bold and clear. Um, and I, I think it was really good advice. 
And actually, on the way here, Claire is sitting quietly now. She said that if she's going to get a t- she's going to get a money spider tattoo. And I was like, that's so small. And she's going to be like, I think you've got something. You've got smudge. Well, I will do that for you. If, uh... <laughs> also, you've got to be honest. To... I think I've got the skills to do a money spider. Ah! Just have it on your face. Just have it down there. Six legs, right? <laughs> End of your nose. Oh my god, that has to happen. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Is, is it true you can't tattoo normally above the neck and below the wrist? Like, is that like a legal thing in the UK? No. No. Do you know what? I was on, I was on the Jeremy Vine show two years ago talking to, about tattoos and there was this doctor on there as well and I think she was there to kind of like be the other person to kind of say I don't like tattoos she definitely didn't like tattoos and she was saying that it's illegal to get your face done in this and I don't know where people have got that some countries I think it is mm. but here it's not however do not get your face and hands and visible tattoos until you are completely secure in your life and mm. know what you're doing for work and also I would never do that on somebody that didn't have lots of other tattoos as well because that's yeah. just... I'm like a mother for all of my clients. I'm like, no, no. no you're that's you're, you're not getting it there, no. <laughs> yeah, no. And what do you think about when people have got tattoos but they still... They think their parents don't know but they're maybe like grown-ups? Because I've got friends like that in their like mid-40s who are like, my mum and dad don't know. I'm like, hey, I'm sure they know. Oh, no, no. I have customers, like <laughs> proper, like older than me customers that do that. Even some tattoo artists won't get visible tattoos out of respect for their family members. Mm, I guess I, yeah. it can be quite a, it can stir up emotions in people. But I don't really understand. I mean, now, it's, as you say, it's so much more. Oh, that's sensible. what I was going to say about your dad, actually, because obviously it's a generational thing as well. Like only, only in recent years are you seeing them everywhere. So mm. I guess for him it was like, and it was for my dad originally as well. He was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, no. But then, you know, it's, it's changing. It's an art form. I, I definitely see it as an art form. Oh, it is. And it's actually, it's funny because you said earlier about your mum having tattoos and... I've co- I sort of forgot to think about the fact that the thing that always um, sowed the seed in me was actually my mum having one. When I was seven, six or seven, she was an, a single mother with me for about three years. Mm. And um, she came home one day with a bit of cling film on her on her shoulder and she'd had a hummingbird tattooed on her on her shoulder. And um, I remember I, we had a bath together that night and I remember how she was really excited about this yeah. tattoo. And... I liked the sort of selfishness of it, really. Like, she did it just for herself, mm. just because she was at this point in her life where she was single. She'd been with my dad since she was 16, so, wow. you know, it was quite significant mm. that she was in this, you know, now on her own. And, um, yeah, I think in my head I was like, right, as soon as, as, soon as I can, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. The same for me. So my mum was actually the first person in the family to get a tattoo. She oh, divorced cool. our dad, and then she got a... 
tribal heart tramp stamp. Okay. Actually, no. I don't like saying tramp stamp. It was just at the bottom of her bottom of her back. No, but that is a place like that's this. Yeah, yeah. Sort of yeah. Slang of and, where and, you get them. and it's just it is hideous, and it's still there, and there's nothing I can do with it because it's so big and bald. So when I first started getting tattooed, she was like, "Oh, I don't like it." And I'm like, "Mother, you cannot say anything. You started this." But it, I feel like, but I love that though. Like it was for her. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think you know, leaving a relationship that you've been in for so long and kind of losing yourself within that relationship maybe there's a thing yeah like a bit of a maybe there's a pattern then with women when they've got relationships going right <laughs> piercing or tattoos <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah but I think it's very cool I think as well it's I, Richard said a nice thing to me once about my tattoo because he was saying because I'm like like basically like places like Daily Mail cannot stand my tattoo like, if I've ever got a picture you see it they're just like that's the most hideous thing I've ever seen in my life and um, and he said, you know, the thing about tattoos is it tells people that maybe they don't know everything about you. And I thought that's really, I like that actually. There's I a sort of really secret story to it sometimes. I really like that. That's gorgeous. Actually, the Daily Mail didn't like my tattoo of Stephen Fry. I don't know if you saw all that. <laughs> so I have a tattoo of Stephen Fry on my, and I'll show you in a sec. <laughs> and about, ooh, when was it? It was two years ago. I just did a tweet being like, can someone please tell Stephen Fry, at Stephen Fry, that I've had him tattooed on me for five years? <laughs> He sees it, he retweets it. So I'm like, I remember I was cashing my money in the bank and I was like, <gasps> and the woman was like, what's wrong? And I was like, Stephen Fry. She had no idea what I was going on about. And then I was like, oh my gosh. And I like messaged my husband, like, Stephen Fry has recognised me. And he said something really sweet saying like, I will endeavour never to say anything bad to make you want me to, want you to remove it. Aww. But then like Radio 1 got hold of it and then like the Metro got hold of it, then the Sun got hold of it and then the Daily Mail got hold of it. <laughs> And the comment section under that was <laughs> quite something. <laughs> Which I just thought, you know what, I don't really care. But then from that, actually, I got to meet him live on the one show, like two days later. It was a real, it was a whirlwind 48 hours. And now he has you tattooed on and him now, in the same you know, place. He's actually on his face, has my face. Like, oh. No, he didn't offer that, actually. That's really rude of him. Maybe, maybe I'll tweet him again and see if, uh, if I can get him to do that. Um... I didn't know you had Stephen Fry. Have you got any other notable people? Or is it mainly more... Just know it's just Stephen. Just I Stephen. love him so much. He's he such a natural treasure. Well, I grew up with, like... Do you remember Who Signs It Anyway? Mm-hmm. Oh, and he was always so good in that. And then Blackadder goes forth. Like, <laughs> I love him. Well, actually, and that brings full circle back to the mental health aspect, actually. Cause, yes. Because he works for Mind. He does loads of stuff for Mind, the charity. He's all phenomenal. about mental, yeah, mental health. So that's actually a really nice person. It yeah. works on lots of levels. Yeah. Oh, and actually the Harry Potter thing. And you've made loads of... Harry Potter Lego, I can see, and he, <laughs> he does that too. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I listen to, to Stephen Fry. Oh, basically. don't they? Oh, maybe our paths will cross again. <laughs> yeah. um, actually, and another Stephen Fry. My little brother Jackson once played his son in uh, the film Wild. Um, wow. Yeah, I was very jealous about it at the time because when I was growing up, I really wanted to act, and I kept saying to my mum, "I want an agent." <laughs> And she finally capitulated when I was at exactly the right age to be completely uncastable in most things. Oh, my God. Very tall, sort of 13, 14 year old. So I couldn't play cute little kid and I couldn't play like the next level up. So um, Jack, who'd gone along to the casting with me for the agent, got, got taken on and then did loads of work. Wow. He had these little ringlets and he was just constantly working. And I was, he was about, so let me think, I think he must have been only about sort of five or six. Yeah. And he was really cute. And yeah, he had to do lots of things where he's in period costume going, Mama or Papa. And then it's like, yeah, he ended up working with loads of people. It was all. 
Were you happy? Were you I secretly know. just like... Mm. No, I was really annoying. No, no. <laughs> I was like, even now I got my mum's car. So happy for you. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. How much stuff did he do? That's brilliant. Oh, tons. He did, yeah, he did Wild with Stephen Fry. He did The Tenant of Wildfeld Hall with um, oh. Tara Fitzgerald. He did um, something called A Village Affair with Kira Knightley. Um, oh, he did another film with Christian Slater and Jared. He was just like constantly oh, working. Oh, my God. He's <laughs> like constantly working. <laughs> So happy for you. Yeah, that worked out well. Thanks, Mum. Take me seriously. The uh, eight-inch request. Um, uh, back to you. Back to you. Um, so the pub landlady thing. How unusual is it to be? A, I don't know much about the world of um, being a pub landlady. How unusual is it to be a pub landlady by the time you're in your mid twenties? I would have thought that's pretty young. Really young. Um, I don't know. It just felt so. So. This is in Rotherham or No, this was in Leeds. So okay. I was I was um running live music at a venue in Sheffield was actually where I met my husband and then because it was just really like it was like it would close at five AM sometimes this bar, right? And it was a hotel and it was fun but it was very party and I was just getting a bit like oh, I'm just no, no more. And um this pub kind of became available in Leeds and that's where my husband lived so we moved we moved there and he was on tour all the time and we had it for free so at first it just seemed this like perfect opportunity but it's really it's really hard work you know you live there I mean open Christmas day like all of these things you're on call all the time but I think it's a really great job to do as well like not everyone can do it it's unsociable hours it's not really great pay but and it's hard work but I've got friends from 20 years from working in the bar industry it's, it attracts a certain type of person but yeah it wasn't yeah it's not it's not a common job I mean it might have changed now god it was like how long has it been now like 10 years since I've done it but it wasn't like common for a 25 year 24 year old woman to be running a pub no and you said I had to be quite tough with getting people out on oh, time and that kind of thing was I tough <laughs> my husband would literally because he'd drink at the bar sometimes and just be like do you hate everybody that comes through the door but I have to be like game face and being tattooed when stag parties would come in and being pregnant and tattooed when stag parties would come in. Oh, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I, was, I had a bit of grit about me, yes. And how did you find that, being, being pregnant in that situation? Um, really, really awful, actually. I've had, I had, oh, just awful, awful stuff. I don't wear bras, I've never worn bras, and that was like a, a I'd had like pint glasses thrown on my top so they could, oh, no, really bad, lifted up top, reaching over the bar to touch my pregnant stomach and stuff yeah oh. so you have to have a little well not a little you have to be a lot like what made you think this was an unsuitable environment <laughs> <laughs> i just don't know and to, no, don't get me wrong like it was and you know it's stag parties stag parties would just be the worst just the absolute yeah. worst Fearless. yeah and Fearless there'd always pack. be like one guy at the end just being like i'm so sorry like it's like their friend from university that yeah. doesn't know the rest of the lot it was just horrible yeah uh yes so it was fun but it was hard and is there any skill set you think that you did take on from that into tattooing? tattooing? 100% people just talking to anybody, talking to everybody. It's a really social, both of them are very sociable jobs. And you both, you, in both of them, you meet unusual characters as well. And how, are there many, is it quite sort of um, equal amount of male and female tattoo artists? Oh, I'd, I'd say it's, I'd say when I first started, there were not as many women, but now there are definitely more women um definitely more women now hmm. in my circle actually like I, I think yeah yeah and do you, I was wondering as well is there like a standard thing people say as like a joke thing when they find out that that's what you do for a living oh 
Ooh. Oh, yes. So I'll go, I'm a tattoo. So I'm like, oh, you can't tell because I have lots of tattoos and I have to go like, ah. <laughs> I don't want to be rude because I think they're being lovely, but it's just, yeah. How many have you got? Oh, I had that this morning, actually. Literally this morning. <laughs> just... I just lie every time because I don't know. I just, just the one. Yeah. <laughs> They've all joined up. What now. do you mean? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. It's not real, it's a bodysuit. <laughs> exactly. It's a birthmark. <laughs> and did you always want to have kids? Did you always picture yourself? No, 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 no. I never wanted kids. Oh, this is going to turn into the love story. And then uh, I met my husband, and within three months we were living together. And then two months after that we were trying for a baby. And this is when we knew Dom as well. So, yeah, it was. And then when we got pregnant, all of our friends were like, what are you doing? So you'd only been going out for like six months when you were telling people you're having a baby? Uh, We tried for a little bit, yeah. So maybe it was a bit long. No, God, yeah, no, it was six months. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was. Um, But obviously it's, you know, worked out perfectly. I mean, I don't don't recommend young couples to do that. Just to see if it works because that's (laughs) so stupid. But it did work. It was brilliant. Well, it's actually not dissimilar to me and my husband. Except that you actually, you know made the decision no. <laughs> it wasn't a surprise <laughs> yeah exactly um but no I've, I've actually got quite a lot of examples of that working out pretty well pretty um my mum and my stepdad as well they'd only been together for three months when they found out they're having my brother i think when um, you know you know i know it's such a cliche thing to say but it's it's so true like and what's so awesome is that it feels like it's always been the three of us yeah because lee and i were together for such a short time um before they came now it's like it's just the three of us and both my husband and I come from broken homes so we were having this conversation with B the other day and we were saying like because I'll always be having a little kiss and a little cuddle and they'll be like oh for god's sake and I was like no like honestly trust me this is much better than the other the other thing of like not not seeing that but it's 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 a brand new experience for my husband and I as well because we've not we didn't grow up in you know a together unit Mm. And so we are, and so, you know, we're all in it like, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's new, it's a new, it's new for all three of us. Yeah. Well, like that, that resonates with me as well. My parents separated when I was four, so I didn't have that unit for, for a lot of my childhood. Mm. And I do think there's lots about how I raised my kids that's very similar to my childhood, mm-hmm. but that is one massively different factor. Mm-hmm. You know, loads of siblings for them and, you know, mum and dad together. I just, I just, are you an only child? I'm an only child from my mum and dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my, brother was born when I was eight okay and oh, same, like you same, with your yeah, sister yeah, yeah. I was absolutely obsessed yes, with him like obsessed yes. it's that perfect age gap isn't yeah. it because they're not a threat to you they're no. not like a, you're not stealing mum and dad's attention and you can be totally there exactly oh, and also you're the big that. sister and yeah. so it's just the two of you just you and your sister yeah yeah and also you're you know it means you've got like a baby on the hip from the age of about 100 percent. And, and really interesting because uh, Hannah was 17 when B was born so they kind of start Hannah started being with B, how I was with Hannah, and it was like amazing. But like because our mum and dad, I mean our mum and dad were together a long time when they shouldn't have been. Um, when they were going through the divorce, I'd be like, I'm taking Han- younger than my child is now. I would take Hannah to like download festival just for the weekend, and they'd be like, right, see you later. I was 18. Like who the heck? like? But it was wonderful. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. like, and when I would like DJ and put bands on, I'd get Hannah to come with me and stuff, and she'd be like, oh, you're so cool. And now she's just far cooler than me. 
far cooler than me now. <laughs> well, the baton has to be passed on at some point. I know, but it's just like, oh, damn. <laughs> but it's funny that it seemed to result in a similar thing of you kind of just getting on with things and, you know, it sounds like, you know, you already had the responsibility of a job and being independent and all that. Yeah. Sooner than maybe some other yeah, and I don't know if that's generations Exactly, well. and I don't know if that's necessarily a positive thing as well because, you know, a lot of there's a lot of trauma that comes with being in a family that's quite dysfunctional, as I'm sure many people know. And I think you, it just kind of, my sister and I talk about every time we have a conversation, it always comes back to this. It's quite interesting, actually, because it's just something we really feel passionate about, like how actually I was, I had to grow up quite quickly, Mm. um, really quickly. Um, So our dad was an alcoholic and it was, it was, you know, it wasn't fine, but it was just something that I would kind of be very aware. I didn't want Hannah to kind of be around it. So I would just kind of take that role on straight away. But, you know, it's kind of turned me into a very determined woman. Mm. today and my daughter I'm sorry my child will never you know experience that yeah yeah so everything's a lesson I literally I bumped into somebody I knew on the on the street today and we we're talking about this like kind of like the traumas of like your own childhood and how you can just take that and turn it into a positive because you just your kids will never experience that and what what is it about your mum do you think that's made you and your sister so creative so my mum is a painter as well. I don't know. It's really interesting. So she's an artist. Well, amateur. Do you know what I mean? Like she mm. would just. She went back to after Hannah was born. She went to university and did a, did a degree, and we were just around that. It's so. It's never something that we all had a conversation about. It's just something that's happened like naturally. Mm. Well, it's nice that all, all of you, know, you and your sister have managed to actually turn it into what you do for a living. Yeah. Well, oh, so lucky. No, so 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 lucky. So privileged to be able to kind of have that as an option as well. And you mentioned that you don't think Bee's going to get any tattoos at all. No, <laughs> no. We kind of said, like, for, for the longest time, they were like, yes, loads. And now they're like, no, not at all. And for the eagle-eared, you have been using they, their pronouns because yes. Bee, only a few weeks ago, yes. said that they're non-binary. Absolutely. I asked their permission if we could speak about this as well. And they were like, absolutely. The more people that know about these things, are the... they're just brilliant, you know. My husband and I learn from them every day. Mm. I get really emotional when I speak about my child, so I'm going to... Um, yeah, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. Well, they're actually, brilliant. no, I think it's a really em- emotional thing because how old is B? They're going to be 11 in two months, so they're 10. Which is still very young, but what mm. amazingly um, mature, emotionally mature person to be able to say, I think it's really good to have this conversation out there. And it sounds like... Growing up, B's always been pretty good at articulating how they're feeling. And... Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's really great. And, you, and I'm seeing this in the gen- that generation, especially being allowed to express themselves without, you know, no, you shouldn't really do that. You shouldn't really do that. And I think it's just wonderful. It's kind of, it's so authentic that they mm. can actually kind of explore who they are. Mm. Um, and, you know, and I, I think it's just a pleasure to see. Yeah, I, I think it's amazing too. And my kids inspire me a lot too, because they're, so, so matter of fact about um, exploring all the spectrum of gender. In a, it's not, it's like literally not done in any way for effect mm. or like a learned thing. It's just part of their their way of um, relating to each other. Yeah, and I it made me think a lot about. It wasn't a conversation that I felt was on the table when I was growing up. No, um, there was lots of talk about. Um, whether or not you were, even actually being a feminist was kind of still a bit of a word that people hadn't really decided whether or not they wanted to be, even if they wanted equality, yeah. which looking back is really, I mean, it's not that long ago. No, it's not that. I was about to say it's not that long ago, but so similar to myself as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite extraordinary. It's like a dirty isn't it? word, wasn't it? It was it so was. bizarre. I remember um, 
probably when I was in my 20s, my mum was doing working with, I can't remember which charity it was now, but she had these T-shirts we'd been given that said, this is what a feminist looked like, and we mm. both put them on and had a picture taken. And I remember thinking, if I post this somewhere, is that kind of like slightly like a militant? Yeah, exactly. Wow. But now, you know... Of course. Yeah, nobody would even question that. And I think as well, there's a lot of people that, from our generation, they're still... They're actually quite traditional, close to home, in mm. a way that they might mm. not realise, just mm-hmm. because a lot of how society is structured mm-hmm. is very binary. Mm-hmm. And I'm... Oh, my gosh. This is a yeah. cause very close to my heart, because not just because I have five kids who are all boys, but because when I had my first baby, and he happened to be a boy, I was really shocked at how many things were presumed just because people knew that fact. Mm-hmm. And that really made my mind like, well, no, I'm determined that... That you know, he can choose whatever it is, however he wants to interpret it. Yeah. And I have some really good conversations with him because um, some of his friends, he's got a friend that's uh, transitioning at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, biological boy transitioning to girl. And I was like, well, the thing is, Sunny, I, I want you as a, as a boy to be able to interpret that however it works for you. Mm-hmm. So, why, for your friend, is it important that that's now? Why can they not just be a very feminine boy? Why does it have to be something else? And he was so like measured and he said, well, that is an option, and that is how some people are, but that doesn't work for them. And it was just so like... Of course, yeah. yeah. And I just yeah. thought, that was really wise. Yeah. And I thought, well, I have to remember these things to pass on to people. Because they've been allowed to grow, you know, they've had an environment where they can just, you know... Because gender's such a mum... Like, it's such a... Ah, oh, these, like, sexuality and gender, it's such man-made constructs, like, you're this, you're this, or you're this, and it's just so ridiculous. So our children are just like... It just is what it is. Yeah. And I think it's so awesome that we can learn from our own children mm. as well. And, you know, literally yesterday morning, the three of us were sat here having breakfast and we were talking about, because um, I was speak- told them that we were going to have a conversation, is would it be okay? And, and like, Lee and I were saying, like, this is so great because when we were growing up, just from my personal experience, I had never heard the term non-binary, mm. you know, and no. that wasn't even a concept, but obviously... <laughs> Obviously, thinking about it, it makes perfect sense. And we have friends in our lives that are non-binary and trans, and they are the most wonderfully brave, awesome people. But obviously, sometimes they grew up in, in, in environments where that wasn't accepted, mm. so it's only a recent thing that they feel comfortable coming forward and saying. Whereas I hope that as the generations go on, that people can kind of come to that conclusion of them, know who they are straight away and feel safe to kind of express themselves in that way yeah I mean I definitely think that it is shifting mm-hmm. and I thought when Sam Smith came out as non-binary it was a really really impactful thing to do and really brave so and a brave. lot of people were quite dismissive of it but the media yeah I thought it was absurd really because I think and how, how can you know how it would feel to be like you know this massive multi-million selling you know, album selling artist and then put yourself out there knowing, knowing that's going to be for some people something they just really struggle to understand. Like, that's not a conversation you had to have. No. They could but have just think kept, of, kept it on a, as a quiet thing or whatever. Totally, but think of what that's done to people seeing somebody with yeah. that kind of status come out and, and say that about themselves and be proud about themselves. Like it, I think it's so wonderful that they did that. So wonderful that they did that. But for me, and I'm sure you're the same as well, I just don't understand why people have such an issue with it. It does not affect them at all. And, you know, there's people that say, oh, you know, they're jumping on the bandwagon or whatever. And it's like, do you not see the struggle? You know, like, black trans women, their life expectancy is something like 35 in America. Like, it's the statistics are so, so awful. 
So to say that people are like jumping on the bandwagon and stuff, I find it so incredibly offensive and so incredibly, you know, just awful to say. Yeah. And it doesn't affect that person's life at all in well, any way. Yeah, I know. You're, you're, you're very much preaching to the converter here because <laughs> this is something I... Look, I, you know, I understand the importance of having open debates and conversation mm-hmm. and I'm all for, you know, sitting down with people who think differently to you and you know, having the chat and trying to, you know, share each other's, you know, get involved in people's point of view. But when it comes to things like like the trans debate or non-binary things, as you say, I've, I don't think I've ever had someone say the, their argument and it comes from a personal experience, yeah. which I find yes. really bizarre, but also incredibly indulgent because yeah. it means oh that God, you've, yeah. you've allowed yourself this space to sort of intellectualise the debate but you're not you're not actually sitting down with someone and saying, "Can you tell me how it is from your point of view?" Yeah. So you're not actually trying to get that proximity. No. And when you've finished having your intellectual debate about it, you're able to walk away from that conversation and live your life that doesn't have any yeah. interaction with it. Yeah. Whereas for those people, as you say, the life expectancy or just how that person might feel, internalized trauma. Safe, yeah. yeah. You you haven't you've left them a little bit high and dry, really, yeah. because they're already vulnerable yeah so I've, I do struggle with that hugely I just don't I can't get into that mindset I don't no, understand it no but I do think having conversations is really is vital totally absolutely and you know I said to you earlier about um my mum and, and telling her about that and she bless her she was brilliant and she phoned me separately because we had we have a family whatsapp group and B is part of that and then separately she was like right okay they them and and she was like I'm really worried that I'm gonna mess up and I was like B won't care if you mm. mess up and correct yourself. They'll see that you're trying. And, it, and then, and I said, also, it's not about you. Mm. Like, oh, I'm really worried if I'm going to, you know, it's about them. So, you yeah. know, it's just, as long as we're listening and as long as we're having these conversations and we're including that community within these conversations as well, then, well, which, sorry, they should be leading the, you know, we should be creating safe spaces for them. I hope that it can change. We're never, obviously, not everybody's going to, be okay with it because that's just there are idiots out there yeah (laughs) i know and people feel threatened by things and they don't necessarily want to push on the bit that hurts and understand where that comes from i know well exactly yeah exactly like i noticed from you know like in childhood stuff you know in terms of i know there are companies that do unisex clothing a lot but there's loads of stuff that's become very very boy girl Mm. very very binary and i think it's a knee-jerk reaction to the fact that we're actually better at having the conversation about sexuality and gender in grown-ups. Mm. But there's still this weird fear mm. that if you introduce having that conversation when they're small, you're mm. somehow going to encourage something and bring it out of someone in a kind of, you know what, just because you dress me this way, I'm now actually more likely to Which live my life so differently. Which is so ridiculous. I saw, it's so silly. I saw an amazing tweet, and I can't for the life of me remember who said it, and this one was just like... Everything is is sexualized anyway. Like you know, your family portrait at work, which is a heterosexual couple with with your children, that's heterosexuality there. Mm. You know, that's and that's fine. Why is that deemed as fine? But yet, you know, you see a you know on adverts or whatever, a gay couple proposing or whatever. Why why is that the, the like? Oh my gosh! Or you're saying about the clothing and stuff. It's yeah. like you know. That's so ridiculous. Even having binary clothing is, is you know, that's sexuality. You know, boys will be boys and girls will be girls and it's mm. all glitter or it's a football and it's just so infuriating. It is. It's so infuriating and so just pointless as well. It is, it is. But I, that's why I think it must just come from some weird fear that you're going to sort of cause some sort of chaos if people are allowed to think about themselves. But I think, I know, yeah. you know, I've had really interesting conversations with some of my girlfriends where they've, 
they've said that sometimes they're, they're, they've realised that their issue with it is all about not really knowing how they feel about themselves as a woman. Mm. What does, are they feminine? Do they fit that? And that's, you know, that's something that's obviously that should be addressed for, for them. That's a Definitely. really important personal thing. Definitely. Um, but it does sound like B is a particularly precocious child because that's an unusual level of self-awareness to have at 10. Yes, but also I wonder if it's because they are an only child and they have just been with Lee and I, you know, for all their lives and we very much include them in, in everything and we have conversations with them and we talk to them, you know, we include them in our conversations. I don't know, I don't know. They're just, they're brilliant. Like, mm. I wish they were, I wish, you know, you could meet them. They are just great. They're great. And interestingly enough, the way they dress is very femme. So they love skirts and they love like right pastel colours and stuff. But that doesn't define their gender, which mm. I love that yeah. about them because that's, that's very like, cool. yeah, brilliant. You know, Well, that's actually sort of what it should really be yeah. about, isn't it? Like you can have, it's choice. Definitely. And even if, you know, they go about their, uh, wait, later on down the line, it becomes apparent that actually they do want to, you know evolve into something mm-hmm. the next step that's that this has all been part of a journey absolutely what a brilliant way to have a childhood where you can actually have these chats and everybody just kind of goes okay you know let's let's explore that with you a few people have said to lee and i like oh my gosh you're such amazing parents and stuff but actually for us it's just like it's just so natural like mm. i don't understand why that just wouldn't be the natural reaction to a child that you love saying that to you well i think that kind of goes back as well with you know with how how it is for people when they do grow up in a family where they do say I'm gay or mm. this is you know I'm whatever it may be mm. and then they don't they're not met with support and love like that's a very confusing idea yeah. isn't it that yeah. you'd you'd put that that prejudice in the way of mm. your relationship but you know people are, are wired complicated in a complicated way and there's Definitely. all sorts of things about Definitely. how they were raised and what how yeah. they were allowed to express themselves and you know it's just we're, we're pretty, sometimes we're very simple and sometimes we're really complicated oh, 100% <laughs> no, nothing's black and white and everything has a nuance to it as well exactly and how's it gone down at school how's the school been I suppose it's only just gone back they've gone back today but um, I told so um, obviously whatsapp groups I'm sure you're in parent whatsapp groups oh, as yes. well love told, them very much told, <laughs> do you know what I am so lucky with our one I am so lucky like our class have just been brilliant I hear nightmares from other people but yeah I said it to said it in the group um be had told their friends anyway and some of the parents have just been absolutely wonderful yeah. just like sending messages straight away just been like oh let be we've let our kid know about b and stuff and how do they want to be addressed which has just been wonderful that's really good really great and for their friends presumably they won't really think too much about they it don't care. No. this is the thing it's not it's never the children it's it's the adults mm. but because you know secondary school next year i'm we're gonna speak to the school separately but i'm sure that that's something that they've come across you know already i mean i'm, yeah. I'm sure they'll be transitioning children within their school yeah and i don't know if you filled in your census thing but i was quite i'm I about saw, to do that today yeah well i saw on that actually when your child is over 16 there's actually it's voluntary if you fill it in but they say you know, how is the gender your child identifies with the same as they were assigned at birth? And they right. ask about if they're, you know, there's sexuality, of that, which I think as a, as an overview of where the UK is at, it's actually really, I thought yeah. it was really cool they actually put that yeah. in there. I yeah. That shows that it's, you know, properly part of mainstream conversation. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Oh, wow, I didn't notice. That's great. I'll have a look at that later. Yeah. Well, will you thank B for me? I will do. For letting us chat about it. Because I do think it's brilliant. And I think, I don't think, I'm not too not too worried about a lot of that generation really in that way I think I think they are as you say sort of teaching us a lot of things oh, so much 
And um, what and what a time for them to be existing in at the moment. I was listening to my friend do a talk yesterday and um, she was saying she really hates that they're like the COVID generation or whatever, or like the forgotten generation. And she was like, they should be called the remarkable generation because they have the resilience that they've kind of had and gained through this. It's been so hard, particularly for children and teenage, young adults, t- teenagers and children. Mm. And they have just, they're so great and they're so strong. And I, and I, and I think especially with everything last year, BLM, climate change, American elections, which are just everywhere. There's so much, around, like, so much, so much. And mm. I think they've, they've, they've taken it in their stride and I'm just really, really proud of them, you know? Yeah. I'm really proud of that generation. No, you're right, actually, because also they've had to look up at their parents' faces a lot and see us kind of looking a bit like, mm, not actually really sure what to do with that information. Which must and have having been open conversations terrifying. about it. Yeah, really scary. Terrifying for them, because that's what I remember, I remember B saying to us that they were really scared and, like, Lee and I were like, yeah, you know, so are we. Mm. And, but we, we had to... an extra freezer. You had to mention the extra... I bought an extra freezer, so lockdown, my first lockdown came on and I said to my husband, we need an extra freezer and, you know, it's just taking up space. I'm glad it's now on the podcast. I like podcast. you put a plant on it. I though. did adjust it up yesterday. I was like, do I put a cloth over it? I don't, I don't. It's, it's really pretty. I'm going to get one now. I'll give you the link. I'll send you the link. Um, yeah, no, it has been, it must be a bit of a um, discombobulating time to say the least really because it's just yeah that uncertainty and looking Mm. seeing lots of parents looking perplexed and being at school but yeah there's definitely some benefits to having had that time with them extra time with them having chats about the fact that you know even when we're not in control there's still you can still make a plan and move forward um but I think that comes from privilege as well I think mm. that's something that I've definitely recognized this last year like you know like just joking about buying the extra freezer I was able to do that yeah. having good wi-fi for their online learning yeah. having you know um a tablet or a laptop yeah. and that's something that's been quite hard to, not hard but very hard but also something we should recognize is the kind of seeing actually the kind of gap between rich and poor and mm. like kids that are just kind of being left behind yeah. and it's that's that's an, that's another thing and like talking with B about that as well not you know not making them feel bad but we have to recognize that like no, you know right. we've been really lucky yeah. we have a sp- safe we know we, we we all get on there's a safe space for them here as well so no you're absolutely right that is that's a really important thing and there'll be lots of kids where they haven't had that experience no and that's something that 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 needs oh god it breaks my heart mm. breaks my heart no, I know. There's there's definitely going to be lots of um, uh, cracks that will have come out of the last year that will need to yeah. be um, need to be addressed. Um, yeah, that that is it is heartbreaking. Um, but to sort of end on a slightly lighter note, with tattooing, yeah. How often do you see tattoos that are really terrible and think, oh my god, that's because I, I I have. Have you ever Googled, like, bad tattoo, um, like, those photo montages? Um, well, there's, there's a lot of Instagram accounts as well. I <laughs> do not judge because when I, I... There are some corkers of mine walking around out there when I first started tattooing. <laughs> We've, we know we all have to start somewhere. And what so happens when you're doing it and you're thinking... That's got a bit wrong. You just, you just, you add a leaf. You add an extra leaf on there. Just, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to, just going to add a leaf because I think it really flows with your body. And if any of my customers are listening to that now, I'm thinking she said that to me. <laughs> no, I've spoken about. I speak about this because yeah. these are like questions that get asked a lot as well from people when they're when they're getting tattooed. Well, it's a pressure, isn't it? It is. Do you know what though? It's not anymore. But I remember when I first started tattooing. Yeah. I remember thinking like, my, I remember my first boss, Mick Miller, said to me. He was like, when he first started tattooing, he would just hope the customers didn't turn up, and I 
totally got that because you're so nervous. You're just like, oh my gosh. But now yeah. if they don't turn up, I'm like, where are you? Yeah. Where it's become quite natural. But um, yeah, you don't, I don't mess up. I don't mess up tattoos. Actually, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be pretty confident to be able to do that though. Oh my gosh. Because um, I'm dyslexic as well. So I don't do any script or anything like that because whoo, no, no. Or faces. I won't. Well, I do. Sometimes I do. But like there are so many amazing portrait art. Just do your research. That's what I'll say do to you. Do your people. research. Do your research. In, I there agree with so- that. Social media is such a wonderful accidental amazing platform for like instagram has been great for like tattooists because it's like online yeah. portfolios and like just do your research it's forever even if it's really simple i would say still get someone really good well simple tattoos are actually really difficult to do because they've got to be really clean and perfect mm. so do your research <laughs> <laughs> i think that's wise advice um are your tattoos all from different people yes yes so loads loads of different people and i know like they're really colorful my ones a lot of people say that like oh you don't actually have I love them. Your style on you. But I love your bird. I, thank you. If I was to start again... Yeah. No, do you know what? No, because I don't... All of these... I remember... They're just really great memories. There is my husband's name on my hand that... I saw he had your name on his hand too. My... He... Right, okay. This... Do... Okay. Did, please don't do this at home. So, <laughs> we got... When we got married, we got gifted this bottle of Lafroy whiskey that we just oh it smells weird I don't want to drink it oh my god that's my husband's favourite whiskey I love it now we absolutely mm, love it but we drank, we drank a bottle of it and then this is before I was a tattoo artist as well and just oh my gosh sorry to any tattooers listening to this with like a needle and ink just he tattooed his name on my hand and I had no other tattoos around there Let at the see. time there it is oh, that's fine <laughs> yeah it's really you know and then we were going for it here as well but it hurt too much of a start but now we, we have I have his name on me properly done so I wonder how many people have bought you know you can buy like a home tattoo kit oh really my easily gosh on Amazon. it terrifies <laughs> me that stuff because this is the thing as well because sometimes people message me and be like I've got this kit that I've bought and I'm like no 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 because yeah. risk of infection there's a reason why there's studios like yeah. council I'm going to get into like jargon now but councils pick councils pick up you know your clinical waste like where are those needles going please don't tattoo yourself at home <laughs> even though I just said I did it and I would no <laughs> it's such no don't do it not even a little min- money spider for no. a friend <laughs> I mean, you know. Oh, thanks so much for letting me talk to you. And actually, your tattoos are genuinely beautiful. So if I ever did have it, that's why I started following as well, because I was like, I was toying with the idea of having another one here. I will always, my daughter. Look at all that virgin flesh. Well, I know there's both of you, actually. I'm like, uh huh, okay, I've mapped out your entire bodies already. She's locked the door. (laughs) Lee, get the machine. lovely was that chat how lovely is Rebecca's voice so comforting and thank you to her for her time thank you to her husband Lee for going out for the morning while we were there recording how sweet is that I don't actually mind a bit of background noise but I thought it was adorable that he sort of skipped off to give us some space and how lovely of their 10 year old to uh, agree to letting their mum speak so candidly about the decisions they're making and it's just so nice to be in and that environment where you can see, see and feel so much love and support um, that they have there. And I think, you know, it's really important for all of us to know that if we know someone or love someone who's decided to be non-binary, you, they, they anticipate us screwing up a little with the pronouns. That's actually a very small thing if the support and the love is there, isn't it? You know, these are these are hardwired into how we've known that person for a long time. So mistakes are going to happen, but if the intention is good, then all is good. And I, I could really feel that with Rebecca and how she spoke about it. I thought that was really 
important for us all to remember. And also, should I get another tattoo? It made me so tempted. Rebecca would do something so beautiful, I just know it. And that's why I ended up following her in the first place, toying with this idea. I think it's because I went very big with my first tattoo. It's quite big and prominent. I feel like if I got another tattoo, I'd be a tattooed person. As it is, I'm a person with a tattoo. Do you have any tattoos? It's not always who you expect, is it? In my family, I have one very tattooed sibling on my dad's side. Uh, I'm not sure my dad knows about how many tattoos they have. Mm, I think he probably does know, but it's just choosing not to acknowledge it. My dad never liked a tattoo. He made it very easy for me to rebel. I think it's quite... I can still remember his face when I showed him mine. I mean, obviously, it's a heart that's his family, so he couldn't get too cross, but... But yeah, he definitely wasn't thrilled. And uh, then my mum has a tattoo. And then apart from that, it's just, yeah. I always thought my brother and my sister would get some. But oh, actually, my sister has the world's smallest tattoo. She has a tiny little star on her wrist. I was with her when she got it done. And my brother and I took her along to this tattoo parlour. And she sort of disappeared behind a curtain because we weren't allowed to be there when she was having it done. And she came out probably about five minutes later. <laughs> all, all tattooed. A tiny tattoo. It's a very beautiful tattoo, but it is not big like mine. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, Martha's kind of the size A. My mum is like size B, like moderate, and I've gone, gone pretty big. Anyway, we are nearing the end of series three. I've got another two in the bag for you. Thank you so much for all my guests, but mainly thank you to you. What a lovely community we have here. I'm sure I've told you before, but I do so enjoy making these podcasts for you and hearing people's stories and thinking of new guests. Uh, and there's still so many stories out there to be heard. And I love reading your comments and your messages. And if you've posted uh, with one of the reviews on the podcast apps, and I read all of them and they're so beautiful. Thank you so much. It really does keep me feeling really excited about what else is out there because, you know, I think hearing from people is everything really it kind of makes you feel good and makes you feel like you're part of a community and that is something that's really precious so thank you very much please keep the suggestions coming as well thank you as well i probably should thank them every week but i don't because i'm rubbish but thank you to richard for always editing the podcast even though that was not the hat he expected to wear for the last year and thank you to my amazing producer claire jones who has been so enthusiastic from the get-go about everything we're doing together and, you know, more to come. I've got a lovely long list of people who've already agreed to speak to me for the next series and how lucky am I. And what a nice thing that we just get to have these lovely conversations. I think I'm feeling particularly sentimental because I'm still speaking to you from a very quiet, big bed in Manchester, miles away from the chaos of my family where I can just, you know, miss them in that nice, cosy, comforting way. And don't worry, I will be nice and knackered this time tomorrow. My voice will sound less rested and you'll be the old, slightly more frayed, less rambly me that you know and love. Well, she's still a little bit rambly, but not quite as bad. Anyway, I will not trail who's coming up next week because I'll probably get it wrong. Uh, thank you very much for listening as ever. See you next week and wherever you are, I hope you have a really good night's sleep tonight because, wow, what a difference it makes. I'm enjoying it, I'm savouring it. See you soon. That's love.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.